Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. So we are continuing the series on churchology. And we began this series several weeks ago about really asking God through his word what kind of church he wants us to be. And we began the series by looking at the words of Jesus, or what he spoke in Matthew 16, where he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, against her, against you. This is what Jesus declared about those who belong in his church, those who are saved by him, that the gates of hell will not prevail. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so we, being the church, are called by God to charge the gates of hell. We are called by God to to destroy the gates of hell. And the the correct translation of prevail really should be, will not be, be able to resist it. The church that walks forward with the gospel of Jesus Christ, anointed by God, we have authority over the works of darkness, amen? That's what we need to understand. And Jesus said that I'm gonna build my church in a way, in such a way that you will be able to destroy the works of darkness. And so we ask the question, then since Jesus is building his church, since he's the owner of his church, since he purchased the church, meaning believers with his own blood, we should probably ask him what kind of church we should be, right? That if we're going to do what he's called us to do, we should probably look into his word and seek his word on what kind of church we want to be. Because you can have a church, you can have a group of of believers, of people, but if you were to call yourself a Christian, if you were to call yourself a church, we need to come into alignment with our leader, which is Jesus Christ. And so the series is about us leaning in and saying, okay, okay, God, what do you want us to be? Because there's lots of ideas. Churches, churches can grow, but it doesn't mean they're being built by Jesus. But a church that's being built by Jesus is a church that's growing. And so we want him to get everything that he paid for in this church and in your life. And that's what I want for you. I want you to get everything that Jesus paid for by his blood what he gave you, what he called you to do, what he called you to be. And so that's the purpose of this series. And so we've been asking the question the last several messages about this reality of the Holy Spirit in the midst of us as a church. And so a church that Jesus is building is a church that is familiar with the power and the person of the Holy Spirit, that, that we are fully aware that we, though we live in a natural world, that we also have access to a supernatural power that wants to move in us and through us, and that's called the power of the Holy Spirit. That we are aware that we as believers can step outside of our natural earthly confines and we can actually experience and play and run and have a great adventure and walk in God's purpose and will of God. And we can step from the natural into the miraculous. And we can do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. But we can also, we've been given gifts to operate in that in our world today and in our church. This is what I believe God wants you to know that he has something for you that you have not experienced yet. That God has more for you. Listen, you don't, you don't follow God and, and at some point in your, in your life on earth go, you know what, it's, you know, I've, I've come to the end of knowing all there is about God. God always has more for you. It's like you coming to the end of the internet. Well, I guess that's it. Except we're talking about the God of the universe. There's always more. There's always more. Everybody say more. God has more for you. He has more for you. If you find yourself bored in your Christian life, that's an indicator that God's inviting you to more. 
If you find yourself thinking, oh, okay, you know, I, yeah, I love Jesus and that's okay, that's wonderful, but I'm just, I, I'm not filled with a passion. I'm not filled with, with a purpose. I'm not filled with something that burns inside my bones. Then that's a good sign that God is inviting you to more. And he wants to make you aware of that. Two weeks ago, we read up through um, 1 Corinthians 12 about the gifts of the Spirit. And I'm not going to read it all just for the sake of time. But Scripture says, now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. In other words, I don't, I, Paul's writing this local church and saying, I don't want you to not know that there are things available to you. I don't want you to, to go through life not knowing that there are supernatural gifts available to you and for you. I don't want you to be uninformed. Then he goes on to say in verse 7, now to each one, say each one. To each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. The whole context of chapter 12 is he goes through the gifts of the Spirit. He doesn't give the exhaustive gifts, but he gives several gifts of the Spirit. And throughout Christianity, and we've been aware of this, there have been ebbs and flows regarding the interest of the gifts of the Spirit in operation and in, and in, in people's individual lives. And I want you to know that according to Scripture, according to the New Testament, according to the prophecies of the Old Testament. I want you to know that from a biblical position, spiritual gifts are to be very normal and natural in the life of a believer and in the life of a local church. They are to be. We are to lean into them. We're to ask God for them. Two weeks ago, I just asked the question, if it says to each one has been given a gift, that means to each one, I know that's deep, but that's what it means. To every person who is saved, to every person who is in relationship with God through the Son, you also have the Spirit that dwells in you. And to you has been given a gift, a supernatural gift. And God wants you to walk in it. God wants you to step into it. God wants you to, to fan the flame of it that you could experience the supernatural in your life. I'm a very balanced biblical person. I don't run to any extreme ever. I don't follow every movement and every person, but I am committed to the truth of the word of God, that I know this, that the spiritual gifts of the, of the scriptures are for us today, and friend, they are for you today, but the question is, which one do you have? And we'll get in further into, into this series about, about are, are they, does everyone have a permanent gift or are there gifts that are manifest for, for things that are needed right in front of you? And the answer to that is I think yes. It's both. But my heart for us as a church is to stir up the hunger for the Holy Spirit in the confines and tension of the word of God that we walk it out in a way that is how God intended. So there have been ebbs and flows, but we know this, that there are spiritual gifts. And this is something I was thinking, what is a spiritual gift? And I just, I just wrote this, I said, a spiritual gift is an ability that is empowered by the Holy Spirit and used to bless and equip other believers to witness to unbelievers, to destroy the works of Satan, and to highlight again glory to the work and to the person of Jesus Christ. That's what a spiritual gift is. How many, how many want this? Amen. We want this. No one says, yeah, that sounds lousy. Nobody says that. We, we want this. So we ask him. And then the Holy Spirit gives as he chooses. As he chooses. We can pray for a certain one. But we don't, we don't order our spiritual gifts like we do off a, of a lunch menu. I think I'll take, the, ooh, I'll take this for an appetizer. And can I have a little bit of prophecy on the side? That's not what we do. He gives to us. And then we say, thank you for the gift. First Peter says this about the gift. He says, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another. Now, remember, these letters are written to local churches. They're not written to the generic 
the church, though we use them in local churches today, all these letters were written into a local church. And so we're to use them to minister to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So when God's people use spiritual gifts in our midst, it's not only a manifestation of the, of the Holy Spirit through that gift, it is a demonstration of God's grace, God's love, God's kindness through an individual using their gift to someone else to bless them. And it's within a local body. Spiritual gifts demonstrate God's grace to believers and to unbelievers. That's what, that's what they're given to do. Could be a word of knowledge, could be a physical healing, could be a prophecy, it could be the gift of evangelism. But remember, the gifts are always to be used to elevate and to honor the person of Jesus Christ. That's why they're given. That's why we use them. The Holy Spirit, everything that he does points to the person and the work of Jesus. Everything that Jesus does points to the person, to the work of God the Father. Everything God the Father does is to point to the work of God the Son and God the Spirit. But the gift of the Holy Spirit, all of them are given to elevate and say, see, I told you Jesus was wonderful. I told you Jesus was the Savior of the world. I told you that he loved you. I told you. For me personally, when I've been the recipient of um, a gift that was, could be a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, that where the secrets of my life were revealed and, and, and given by somebody else that didn't know anything about something I was going through that was a word of encouragement. Hey, just so you know, I, there's something that you're going through right now. God wants to encourage you. He says he's got this. He's got, I mean, seriously, it, it just melts my heart and I realize God you do see me. You do know my name. You do know when I go and when I go here and when I turn left, you're watching me. You know how many hairs are on my head. You love me. You have a purpose for me. And regardless of what I'm going through, I know you are with me right now. And it's encouraging. They're always to be encouraging. So it does demonstrate God's Grace, but biblically, the primary location that gifts are to be used is to build up and within the local church. And they're primarily to be used within the family of a local church. You were given a gift, friends. Ephesians 4 says the gifts, and this, this is speaking of apostle, prophet, evangelist, um, pastor, and teacher. But still, the idea of the gifts are given for the building up the body of Christ. And I believe that God wants to make us hungry. He wants to whet your appetite. A lot of times in second service, I, talk, I start talking about enchiladas and tacos. I don't know why, but I know it's close, it's close to lunch. And so you start seeing people being like, man, I'm hungry. The reason why you, we need to talk about the things of the Spirit is because it stirs up the appetite. You know what? I want some of that. I want some of that. And that's my heart and desire for us is that we would become hungry for the things of the Spirit. We would not become satisfied with status quo in everyday mundane Christian life. He's called us to walk in power and in a great adventure, and he invites us to us. It's up to us if we say yes to the invitation. But I want us to be hungry. There was a time before Christ that only a very few special selected people got to experience the supernatural. Today, all of us can experience it. But the evangelism of the nations in the Old Testament was very uncommon. The miraculous healing to an individual was very uncommon. Casting out of demons was totally unknown. Prophecy was restricted to only a few that could give it. But you and I are living in a different age. 
You and I are living in a time when these things are available to us. And that, those things were made available to us through the work of Christ. And after Christ ascended, he and the Father gave us the spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. You and I are living, actually, which is interesting, in a time that Moses hoped and even spoke of. He said this out of Numbers 11, 29, I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. What he was saying is, but it ain't the case right now. The prophet Joel, three, 400 years before Jesus ever came to the earth, was speaking about a time that God's people would receive the blessing of repentance and then Joel prophetically lifts his eyes to the future and he sees something that, that when Jesus arrives and after Jesus does the work and he didn't know all the details, but this is what he did know out of Joel 2.28, that after Jesus comes, there shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and the female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit. You know what, what he's seeing? He's seeing that the spirit of God is available for everybody to walk in the gifts. The church was given the power and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Why? Have you ever wondered that? So that we can finish what Jesus started. We can finish what Jesus started. Isn't that crazy? That we get the opportunity to finish what Jesus started. And so number one for us today Jesus came, what, so what, what did he come, what did he start? Well, he came to undo what Satan and sin had done to humanity. So what did Jesus start? Well, he, he actually tells us and he reads of a, of, a, of a prophecy from Isaiah about his coming. And so he was in a synagogue one day and he stood out of Luke 4. Now listen, this is what he started. So this is what we get to finish. And so this is what the passage says. He, Jesus, stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. So this is, could be the poor in spirit. Later in the, in the Beatitudes, he talks about the poor in spirit. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now what's interesting, I don't know if you've ever caught this or not, he's quoting from Isaiah. The next verse says, and the vengeance of our God. But Jesus didn't read that because he didn't come to bring vengeance. He came to bring Salvation. He came to bring blessing. He did not come to bring judgment. He came to bring salvation. That's what we, that's the era in which we are in. And so God is inviting us to this, to doing these things. And so at the heart of what Jesus was saying is, I've come to use my power and my authority to serve and to bring hope into people's lives. We see that all throughout the scriptures where Jesus would interact with the hopeless, those hurting, those rejected by religious institutions. And he loved them and he called them to a higher standard. And he said, you are important, you are valuable. Now go and sin no more. He brought hope to them, life to them, salvation to them. But the work of Jesus Christ was for the purpose of delivering all of mankind those who are entrapped and entangled by Satan and sin and to bring life to them, to undo what Satan had done to them. So Jesus had come to undo what Satan and sin had done to humanity through his work on the cross, through his resurrection. And so when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, 
He delivers us from being enslaved to sin. So before Christ, you were enslaved to sin. It wasn't, sin wasn't what you did, it was who you are. But after Christ, and you come to him, he cleanses you, he breaks the, bond, the, the bonds of sin over your life, he delivers you. You can sin if you choose. But he came to give us the power over sin through his resurrection. And so he came to deliver us from being enslaved to sin. And, and that sin is defined by God, not by man. And so Jesus crushes the power that sin has over us. He delivers us from, now hear me today, from the demonic realm. That's why in scripture it says you were taken from a kingdom of darkness and you were brought to the kingdom of his light. You've been delivered. Because he came to undo what Satan had done. And now our job, everybody say my job, is to do the same through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's to do the same. There's a passage out of 1 John that talks about the idea of someone who sins constantly. And Jesus says, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. In other words, it's just, they, they just that's who they are. They just sin. They just keep sinning. In other words, what Jesus is saying is if, they, if they're not remorseful, if, they're not, if there's not something in them that recognizes what they're doing is wrong and is a sin, they are of the devil. They are not regenerated. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. Now listen to this. The reason the Son of God appeared was to, dest was to destroy. Everybody say destroy. Was to destroy the works of the devil. So when Jesus said... I will build my church and the gates of hell, which are defensive, will not be able to stop us. This is what he's talking about. We're, we are to be his ambassadors on this earth, tearing down strongholds, demolishing the things of the devil in our own family, in our own community. And we do that through the spirit that lives within us. It's important we understand, church, this authority that Jesus walked in. It's not limited to Jesus alone. He tells his disciples in Matthew 10, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Okay, what does that mean? Well, then you need to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. What's he doing? He's undoing what Satan had done. And so they start doing it. He sends the 72 more disciples out to go and pray for people and tell people about Jesus. And they're astonished that they have authority over the works of the devil. They're like, whoa, Jesus, that was awesome. That was so cool. I told some demon to leave and he listened to me because I did it in your name. And Jesus is like, I know it's super cool, isn't it? But he said, but listen, be more glad that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. But you're right. That's still cool. That's, that's, what's, that's what we see in Scripture. I want you to understand that you have the authority of the Holy Spirit. To take authority over the works of the devil in the name of Jesus for the purpose of demonstrating his love, his care, his kindness to those who are hurting the church that Jesus is building is a church that's familiar with the person and the work and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They've been given to us to destroy the works of the devil. You know what that means for you? You are not a victim. You have the authority to be victorious. You know what that means for you and your family? You stand in your home and you say, I don't think so, devil. You can, don't, don't, don't let the door hit you on your way out. Not in my house. You can take authority over the works of the devil according to the will of God. Amen. You have that in you. Somebody, everybody say, I have that. And sometimes because we're not totally familiar with, with, with the scriptures or maybe with the heart of God, we, 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 don't, we don't realize this can be. Now, as far as the gifts of uh, there are gifts of healing and gifts of all these things, I don't, I don't know the purposes of God. I can't see the end from the beginning. Do I believe in healing? Absolutely. Have I prayed for people that have been healed? Yes. 
Has it always happened? No. Why? I don't know. But it doesn't mean we don't pray that God heals. It doesn't mean we don't. And so when we pray, we trust God. And we pray again. But yet, Lord, I trust you that your will will be done. I trust you that you're going to sort all this out. I trust you that if I, you don't heal this body, you're going to give me another one. So it's all good. I'm, I'm, I'm good with whatever. But I do trust you. But we've been given gifts. Interesting during World War II, because I, I like history and war history. Great Britain was in the middle of a great war with Nazi Germany. And they were getting pummeled with bombing. I mean, there was, at one time, it was 57 straight nights throughout England and specifically um, London. But 57 straight nights. London did not go without a bomb dropping in the middle of it. And there was, it was a very dark moment. Hitler looked like he was, he was going to be taking England and he had already taken most of Europe. He was either occupied by Nazi or under threat of the Nazis. And Winston Churchill knew that his nation needed some help. They were in a battle that they could not win themselves. They needed help. And so in an address to President Roosevelt, he said this, give us the tools and we will finish the job. He sought foreign tools, things that were not of his land, not at his disposal, airplanes, ammunition, armies, to finish the job, to conquer Hitler. He says, give us the tools and we'll finish the job. God through his spirit has given you foreign tools, gifts to finish the job that Jesus began. Say amen. amen. It's quiet today. Maybe you're already sleepy from the turkey you're about to eat. I don't know. <laughs> but he's giving you tools to finish the job. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel a sense of helplessness in a world with so many problems, in a world with, with so much going on. Seems as though evil is advancing and you think, man, I'm just helpless. I guess I'll just wait, just wait, Jesus, till, till you come back and I'll hide in this corner and, and read my Bible and, and I can do nothing. That is not what God has called us to do. We have something to give. We have something to do. It is he who empowers us to bind up broken hearts, as Jesus read from Isaiah and Luke 4. To cast out demons, to pray and heal the sick. It is in his presence. It's, it's we carry actually his presence that we go to our office. We walk on the, on the land of our universities, that we step into our homes, into this world we go. We are equipped to undo the, the, the despair that sin has brought into the world, the hopelessness that resides over people's lives, which are called the work of the devil. We are called to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. So why were you given the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit? Yes, to undo or finish the job of what Jesus has done. But number two, to equip the church to carry out its ministry until Jesus returns. First Corinthians 1 Corinthians 1.7 says, you are not lacking in any gift. Now remember, which is what people forget, these letters are written to local church. They're, they're written to a, a local church that has elders and pastors and a body that serves together. And so you're, it says this, you are not lacking in any gift. Paul was telling the church in Corinth, which this was a circular letter, it would go to different local churches. You are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, you've got some gifts to get some stuff done before Jesus comes back. In other words, you have the gifts in you. 
You have what you need in your local body, in your local church, to carry out the ministry of the church, ministry to one another, ministry to serve one another. To me, this, this puts a, a, a little bit of an urgency in my heart that we have a limited time on this earth to do what God's called us to do as a church. He's given you and me power and you, you and me gifts and while we're waiting for him to, to return, we are to use them. Because when Jesus returns, think about this, there won't be any need for the preaching of the gospel. There won't be any need for us to be witnesses, for us to encourage and strengthen one another. There won't be any need for us to equip one another. There won't be any need for you to listen to me anymore. Everybody says hallelujah. Okay, that's great. <laughs> there won't be any need for us to experience the joy of church family, it, we, it, will be, we, it will all be revealed. There won't be any need for us to be obedient to our God and, and give anymore. There won't be any need for the gospel of Jesus Christ when Jesus returns. But until then, everybody say until then. We've got a job to do. And here's the great thing. We've got a lot of fun and a lot of adventures to experience if we say yes to the Holy Spirit. If we say yes. I want to remind you, though, that this primary reason the Holy Spirit gives gifts to function in encouragement, to edification, to equip, the primary reason is for within the local church. The letter Paul is writing to the Corinthians is to as I've already said, the local church. And he reminds them that their passion for the gifts, it's great, it's great that you have passion for the gifts, but he reminds them in verse 12 of 1 Corinthians 14, he says, since you are eager for the, for the manifestations of the Spirit, strive, everybody say strive, to excel in building up the, what's that word? The church. The gifts are for the church, and they also are for to be a witness, but primarily they are for within the church. In other words, you've got something I need. I've got something you need. We serve Jesus together. We lean into God. When you're going through something, by golly, I'm using my gift of intercession. When you're dealing with something you don't know what to do, someone else is using their gift of wisdom to speak to you. When we need help for the future, there's a gift of prophecy that is spoken that we walk together in victory so we can continue to undo what Satan has done on the earth. That's what it's about. It's, it's not about people who are unaccountable, not connected to any churches, just doing their own thing and just happening. That's not what the gifts are about. I believe that it's absolutely impossible for an individual to walk in the fullness and the anointing and the call of God on their life that they're not part of, involved in, and under the, spiritual, the biblical spiritual authority of a local church. I, it, it just doesn't happen. Many people want the gifts, but they don't want the biblical structure in which God designed the gifts to function in and through. They want the gifts. And you see people who pursue gifts, they can't ever find a church that suits them. Because they want the gifts, but they don't want the biblical structure. They're always, they're always no church is ever good enough for them. It's pride. And then you see just like a star, the kind of just a bunch of hot gas that shines bright for a bit and then it kind of fizzles out. That's just the reality. Parents, please hear my heart today. If you really want your kids to fulfill God's purpose on their life and walk out the incredible joy of advancing the kingdom, one of the greatest gifts you can give them is to teach them to be a part of, to love, to be involved in, to be active in a healthy, life-giving local church. It's one, of the, it's one of the greatest gifts you can give them. Ask the question, why do you make them go to school? Because I want them to be a better person, okay? Why do you make them do their homework? Because I want to teach them discipline, okay? 
But then somewhere you're like, but I don't want to make them go to church. That's their choice. With their choice, they'd eat jelly beans all day if it was their choice. What are you talking about? You teach them that it's valuable. You teach them to love the church. And they will fulfill God's purpose. When they go, go off somewhere, they're not going to think, well, it's my choice. They're going to be like, well, no, this is what my parents taught me. This matters. Church matters. And while they're in your home, you teach them. They I don't want to go to church. Well, listen. I don't want to go to work sometimes, but we're going because it matters. And you teach them that value. The disciples believed in the ministry of the church. When the Holy Spirit was poured out, what did they start doing? Church. They started, the leadership started strategizing. How do we take care of the poor? How do we take care of the widows? The, the apostles, those who were leading the church said, okay, listen, okay, we got that covered. I need to go study the word of God and pray so that I can teach and I can equip the church so that we can keep doing this thing. Church is important. And as they did that, the church grew. And the church grew and moved to Asia and Europe. And you know what's interesting? I want you to think about this for a second. It wasn't strange to find a church in which the gifts and the power of the spirit were functioning. It wasn't strange. But it was strange to find a New Testament church that was not functioning in the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit. That was strange. So for us as a church, it's just a simple step, a simple decision to say, okay, cool. Lord, what do you have for us? Holy Spirit, come and have your way in our midst. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here in my personal life. Holy Spirit, you can lead us and guide us in our home and in our family. Holy Spirit, God, would you pour out your gifts to each one of us? Holy Spirit, we welcome you to have your way to move in us and through us. Holy Spirit, we welcome you to guide us and lead us how you choose. Holy Spirit, we welcome you in our midst. We, we listen to your voice. We follow you. We give our lives to you, that you would use us in power, that you'd use us to undo the things that the devil has done through sin, that you would release to us a new anointing, a fresh vision and an adventure and purpose and passion for your kingdom, that we would advance it everywhere we go, whether, whether it's in the hospital, whether it's in our law firm, whether it's in our business, whether it's in our real estate, no matter, God use us and anoint us with your spirit and have your way with us. I believe God wants to stir up the hunger as we pursue his purposes. 1 Corinthians 14.1 says, pursue love. And earnestly, everybody say earnestly, desire the spiritual gifts. I was talking to Pastor Jim this week. And we talk often about stuff I'm wrestling with. He's my sounding board about some things. And, and I was talking to him about this message today. And he was sharing with me a time with the Lord that he was having and God corrected him. And this is what he said. He, he said he was seeking the Lord about wanting to move more powerfully in the gifts of the Spirit. And the Lord said this to him. Now, if you know Pastor Jim, he likes things, just shoot it straight with him. And so that's how God speaks to him. He says, your problem is, so this is, <laughs> the only, don't, you love, don't, you, don't you love God starting, your problem is, okay, here we go. But for Jim, Pastor Jim, he's, he's just like, yeah, bring it. That's great. Okay, tell me. But this is what the Spirit said to him. Your problem is, Jim, you are pursuing gifts and desiring love. But I want you to pursue love and earnestly desire the gifts. If we can, put that passage back up on 1 Corinthians 14. Look at this. It says, pursue love and earnestly desire the gifts. The purpose, of, the purpose of gifts is to operate and demonstrate God's love. That's why they are there. The gifts of the Spirit are for the purpose of revealing and showing God's love and His grace, as we read earlier in First Peter, to someone else through our lives. What, a, what an incredible privilege that God could show his grace to someone else 
through my life? My gosh, what an incredible honor that he would give me a gift that I didn't, I didn't make it. He gave it to me to do something that was supernatural. And you're demonstrating God's love. May we pursue, friends, love. And may we earnestly desire the gifts. And my experience in church, which has been my whole life, those who earnestly desire gifts are usually cranky and not very loving. I'll just be honest with you. And somewhere along the way, they, they lost the plot. They started pursuing gifts and desiring to be loving. No, no, pursue love. Pursue love. And desire gifts. That's what God invites us to. Here's the question for us. Are we loving? I think many of us aren't functioning in the gifts because we haven't pursued love. We haven't pursued what it means to love people around us. What it means to welcome anybody in our church, anybody in our small groups, have we pursued love? I'm telling you, friends, if you will pursue love and you will desire gifts, you will begin to see the supernatural working in your life, fresh and new. We are to pursue love, that we could experience his presence, fresh and new, because we're pursuing love. That we would open our lives to him, that we could because we want to, we're pursuing the love of, to love God and to love others, that we can say, God, come and have your way with me. Come and move in my life. Come and use me to demonstrate who you are. Come have mercy on me. Come and heal us. That's my heart for us every Sunday. Holy Spirit, come and heal us here. Heal our bodies. Come and lift those who are depressed. Come and empower us to go out. Help us change the world. Come and, and move in our midst. Come and use what I say that demonstrates your love and your kindness to someone. Use it that people who hear my voice with gift of, of proclaiming your word would, get, would leave and say, no, that's a great guy. They would say, no, that, that is such a great God that I just heard about that they would know that Jesus loves them, that you would know that the Word of God is for you, that you would know what the Word of God says, that you would know that the Holy Spirit is inviting you to step out of your comfort and embrace all that He has for you, that he, you would know through the preaching of, that's my heart, that you would know God's heart. And that's what He wants in our midst. And it starts with a simple prayer. Holy Spirit, won't you come? If you can, just bow your heads just for a moment today. Holy Spirit, right where, just right where you are. Holy Spirit, we open our lives to you today. Won't you come? We say yes to you that we make a commitment to you today that we're gonna pursue love and we're gonna desire the gifts. We're, we're gonna just desire, God, how, how do you wanna use me? The gifts that we see in our lives that we're gonna say, Lord, help me to use that gift for your love. That we would explore all that you have for us. Holy Spirit, that you would use us. Use us at home, at work, at school, in an Uber, in a store, talking with our neighbors. You would use us wherever we are. Do we use the gift that's within us? So we just say, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit and have your way. If we can, let's just stand to our feet just for a moment. Can you just lift your hands as an outward posture to receive? 
just tell the Holy Spirit, say, Holy Spirit, I welcome you right now. I welcome you. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We welcome you as a church. We welcome you as a, as a body. We welcome you today. Lord, we welcome you in our individual lives. We welcome you in our homes. We welcome you today. We receive from you today. Cast aside our doubt. Cast aside our theological constructs that keep us from experiencing all that you are. Holy Spirit, we open our life to you today. And by faith, we trust you that you're going to begin to stir up the gift in me. That I'm going to begin to see and hear things in a spiritual way that I never have before. Holy Spirit, we thank you today that you are moving in our midst. That you are moving through us. That we would be vessels in a church that welcome you to have your way. If we can, let's just sing the chorus of this song as a declaration for us as a church. We're going to welcome the Holy Spirit in our midst. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, you are come and bring healing and clarity wisdom in our situation come and deliver us from the lies of the enemy over our lives come and set us free and break strongholds over our minds in Jesus name we take authority of the demonic that would try to influence and infiltrate any area of our lives and in the area of our church in the name of Jesus we welcome you Holy Spirit to for us to be a vessel that you would pour in and we would then pour out as you see fit 
We welcome you, Lord. Come on, just, just continue to welcome him today. Oh, we welcome you, Holy Spirit. We welcome you, we invite you. Won't you have your way in me, Lord? Oh, Holy Spirit, won't you change my mind and heal my mind and move in me? Have your way, change my heart and heal my heart. Have your way in me. Won't you heal my body and heal my soul, heal my life, make me Holy Spirit come. Holy Spirit come. Won't you come in us and cleanse our house? Won't you have your way, remove? all that's tendering Lord Holy Spirit have your way do Lord what you want in me yeah. yes Lord yes Lord yes Lord thank you Jesus Holy Spirit you are welcome Come flood this place and fill the eyes. Your glorious hearts long for to be. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So, Lord, this is our commitment to you as a church, as individuals that we will pursue you, we will pursue love, and we will desire the gifts. So Lord, today we open our hearts and our minds fresh and anew to walk in your power, to walk in your anointing, to receive the supernatural in our lives. For giving you glory, for the purpose of honoring your name, we reject pot pride, we reject anger, we, we reject following a man and we today choose to follow you and so Lord we commit ourselves to you Holy Spirit won't you come and get your church back get your church back do what you want do what you intended you can have this church and so we say yes to you today may you lead us and guide us as we follow you continue to pursue you. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen.